So most of you know that my father passed away 10 days ago. So it was uh, two Thursdays ago. And <clears throat> the way it happened really was, was quite amazing. And uh, what followed was amazing. So I'd, uh, I was doing two weeks of teaching at a Bible college in Hamilton. And um, I was in contact with the family and I knew that um, dad was fading. So I finished one day early and then drove down to, uh, from Hamilton down to, uh, it's Waikano, so it's just about an hour north of Wellington. And um, so I got to Foxton about six on the Thursday night and I rang mum and she said, um, yeah, he's, he's faded a bit, but he's probably not gonna go tonight. Why don't you come for, for dinner and then go tomorrow, even if you want, you could go later on tonight. And um, I carried on about half an hour to Levin, next town, and I got some gas and I thought, oh, maybe I'll just go straight through and see Dad. He was at a, in the hospital wing of a rest home, which is un unusual for me because um, in terms of mum's cooking, normally I'm quite quite greedy and selfish. Um, so I think I'll just, I'll carry on, I'll see Dad and then I'll, I'll come back have dinner. Um, so I did that and that was, I got there about seven and uh, they had love, these lovely um, nurses there, mostly Filipino, uh, Indian, and they're just so gentle and caring. And they, um, they, one of them, the nurse let me in and she said, hey Russell, and uh, gave dad a kiss and then um, it was just me and him. And uh, so I was um, reading some scripture to him, reading some Psalms and I started talking to him, he was just breathing, just breathing heavy and someone said the last thing people lose is their hearing. So and then I was um, talking to him about the family and what I've been doing, and um, and then I was um, doing a phone call, and I and I looked up. Oh, man, he's still. Either he's asleep or he's gone, and I wasn't quite sure <laughs> which one it was. And um, and. So I wasn't quite sure, so I kept talking and his head was warm and then my sister-in-law, who's a nurse, she'd been out with my brothers, yeah, actually their wedding anniversary, she came in the room, it was about 15 minutes later, she came and she, he's gone. And he was, he had gone. And, um, what I, and mum had said that I was coming down. And what it was, I think, was that dad had waited. And, you know, waiting is really important. The way we wait is really important. Matthew 25, 1 to 13, it's, it's about waiting, really. And there's three stories in Matthew 25 about waiting for Jesus. Actually, it's, it's just nailing down the teaching of Matthew 24, the previous chapter. The last days and the return of Jesus. Matthew 24, Jesus says, this is how it's going to end. In Matthew 25, 
Jesus says, therefore, this is what we should do about it. This is what, how it's going to end. Therefore, this is what we should do about it. So three stories. Why three? Maybe it's because there's some, a lot of dumb people in church. The, may, maybe because a lot of people come to church one of the three. Nah, the main reason is because this is really important. It's like Luke 15, where Jesus gives three stories about lost, lost ones, lost things. And why is that? Because it's really important that you know that God cares about the lost. So there's three stories in Luke 15 about the lost. Like, and, you know, you say something, you repeat something where it's important. Like in Tiro, it's, um, you know, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou. You are, I greet you. You're really welcome. No my haramai kake mai. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Do you know, do you get it? You're welcome. And the point is this, that the way we wait for the return of Jesus is really, really important. It's repeated three times. And sometimes we have the right information, but we get confused about the next step. The next step from the information. And so here, God in his patience spells it out nice and clear. You know, but what are we going to do about that information? Like Joshua took the baton from Moses. Moses had been the leader, the God, God's appointed leader, taking the people into the promised land. And then he dies. And then in the book of Joshua, the sixth book of the Bible, Joshua 1 verse 2, God says, Moses, my servant is dead. Gone. Moses is dead. Right at the start, book of Joshua. Moses is there, is dead. Therefore, cross the river, take the land. Joshua chapter 13, verse 1 says, When Joshua was old and very advanced in years, the Lord said to him, Get this, this is profound, listen to this. The Lord said to Joshua, you are very old. <laughs> and Joshua probably had an inkling that he wasn't a spring chicken. You know, he looked in the bowl of washing water, thought, man, this is not the same spy that went over with Caleb and, and uh, popped in and had a look at Canaan. Joshua probably knew that he was old. But he was lagging on the next step of, of distributing the land to the tribes. In Matthew 24, it's all about the last days and Jesus coming back. Matthew 25 is all about the therefore. What the coming back means for the people. So in three stories, Jesus lays out why, uh, that he was coming back maybe less quickly than the people would hope for. So we're going to read that. This is about the therefore, Matthew 25, 1-13. The parable of the ten virgins, or the ten bridesmaids, as some virgins call it. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps 
went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But that while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the hour or the day. There's a huge difference between actively waiting and killing time. You know, the point of the parable, uh, like the sheep and the goats, is that there, although there were two groups, they looked the same, they were different. And like the talents given in the next story, same scene, and they, they were all given something. What was different was what was in the hearts of the recipients. The amount was not the important thing in the parable of the talents. The heart attitude of a recipient in that time of waiting, that was the important thing. There's a huge difference between actively waiting for Jesus and killing time. Actively waiting and killing time, not the same, it's different. You know, there's, a, there's a, a penalty in rugby, it's called lazy running. It's like you're, you have the appearance of, of your offside of trying to get back, but you're, you're not a, actively trying to get back, you're just you're taking up space. Actively waiting is different from killing time. There are ten bridesmaids, ten torches. And the fact of the matter was, weddings would often be delayed in those, those times. Now, sometimes, even in our day and age, one, we got invited to my mate's wedding about 20 years back. And we were in Wellington, he was in New Plymouth. I saw him somewhere, and he said, come to my wedding. We went up, it was about four and a half hours drive. No one was there at the church or wherever it was. And we went round to his house. He said, ah, oh, I've changed the date. It's next weekend. Why don't you come next weekend? <laughs> Delayed weddings, common. So vigilance was needed. And that time and place, autumn was a favorite time for weddings, time of Jesus, plenty of food. Uh, they just had harvest. Uh, the temperature was conducive. Weddings took a long time in the time of Jesus, a week long at least. Sometimes it was two weeks, but a week. A week-long party. Sometimes the groom was delayed as he's out feasting with his friends. But when he appeared, he would begin to make his way to the place where the wedding was about to take place. And the cry would go out, Here is the bridegroom. The bridesmaids would come forward. The procession would, would make the way to the wedding to take place. The torches, 
there was probably a stick with a rag of oil on it, dipped in oil, and so it would be torches, and, and everyone would follow the procession. Last a week, sometimes two, songs, feasting, games, jokes. During the week, the groom and, and bride were considered as king and queen by the local people. Sometimes they'd even set up uh, like a throne in the house for them. Huge affairs. You know, weddings were, were gigantic, were um, extravagant. That's why John's Gospel, first event is what? The wedding. John chapter 2, big deal, Matthew 3. Uh, sorry, Matthew 23. There's a whole chapter on woes. It's a, it's a very grumpy chapter. And people don't tend to speak on it for some reason. Jesus starts with the Pharisees and teachers of the law. He says they have this horrible habit, horrible thing of the Pharisees that starts with the letter L. What is it? Someone said legalism. Matthew 23, uh, verse 4, you put heavy loads on men's shoulders, but you are not willing to lift a finger to help. So really, if you look at that, it's not really legalism. It's a bad habit. It's laziness. Laziness. You put heavy spiritual loads on people, but you don't lift a finger to help. And you can call that laid back if you want. You can call that lifestyle if you want. You can call that work-life balance if you want. But that is not what Jesus calls it. Jesus calls it laziness. You put heavy spiritual expectations on people, but you don't even help them. And if Jesus gives something a name, that is what it is. And Jesus says to the Pharisees, you, you love to roam around town in the spiritual centers and you look good, but you don't actually help people with their faith. What is that? What is the name of that? That is laziness. That is what it is. Matthew 24, the master is staying away a long time. The faithful and wise servant is act, active in feeding others. The wicked servant is active in feeding who? Himself. Jesus calls that wickedness, not work-life balance. Book of Haggai, third to last book of the Old Testament. There's only two chapters in Haggai. You could read that this afternoon. Um, Prophet Haggai, spokesman for God, and says, you guys are really busy building your own houses. What about building my house? Back to Matthew 25. The lazy bridesmaids look just like the active bridesmaids. Some of them probably even looked better, but they weren't better. There was something in their hearts that wasn't being given over to the groom. And the groom is Jesus and the bride is the church. There was some deep selfishness that got the bridesmaids, half of them, 
into huge trouble. And they're left scrambling, ultimately left out of the most glorious party of the village of that time, of maybe of the year. Went on day after day after day. As Malcolm pointed out, there's, there's lots of surprises in this chapter. Goats and sheep were both surprised. The talents, the lazy servant dealt with severely, and all he did was bury his talent in the ground. And here we have this wedding, most extravagant of Jewish festivals. Food, drink, song, poetry, laughter, joy. What a tragedy to miss, to be doing a last-minute hunt for fuel for the torch and get shut out. That's crazy. Don't do that. Be, let's be active in our waiting for Jesus. Evangelism, prayer, Luke 18, parable of persistent widow. Jesus equates faith to prayer. It's one of the ways we wait Evangelism, prayer, care, discipleship, giving, financially. The wonderful bridesmaids serve those that serve the bride. Those that serve the church and Jesus the groom. Those that serve, help the bride and groom in many ways. I want to thank you. For, for, I want to thank you, you people that, that, that just serve the bride here. Thank you that serve in the kitchen, serve in the worship, communion, uh, growth groups, kids' work, children's work, helping each other, making meals, all the ways that you love the bride. On behalf of the groom, thank you, and the community, thank you. This, yeah, this is, this is talking about incredible celebration to come. This is not just any festival, feast. This is the wedding feast. The coming together of the groom and the bride. At my father's funeral, this was read. Um, Revelation 21. This is how it ends. The church is, is ready and waiting like a bride beautifully prepared for a husband. There'll be no more tears and no more pain and no more death because we're ready and waiting for his return. So, uh, people here would love to pray for you today. You're, you're wondering, how, how, is it? how am I supposed to wait? And if you feel you're just wondering, you're not, sh you're not sure if you are ready, you know, people would love to pray for you about that today. Um, otherwise, we'll have a cup of tea and have a great afternoon. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are coming back. We don't want to be lazy waiters. We want to be active waiters. We want to be, want to be like those bridesmaids that are ready and, and can just jump into the joy of this celebration of your return and um, even in the waiting that we be joyful and active and happy in serving you. Thank you Lord for these people and we pray your anointing again upon them as they actively wait. Actively wait Jesus in your mighty name. Amen.